Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a victory green hour as the Philadelphia Eagles were able to defeat the Washington football team, soon to be named probably Admirals, in their Week 17 matchup. And the Eagles were also able to clinch an NFC playoff berth. I'm your host, LG Harrell, and joining me as always is my co-host, Connor, and the guy that actually brought me and Connor together, our good friend Shane. Fellas, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good, man. I, I'm I'm happy. It's a victory green hour. It's a playoff green hour. We clinched. We got all the help that we needed. Um, and now week 18 doesn't even matter. And uh, I mean, Nick Sirianni wants to play the starters a bit because he's afraid of what it might, you know, give off to have a week off and, you know, us and our slow starts. So maybe putting him out early might not be a bad thing, but we don't want to risk injury. And we know that Nick Sirianni's done an incredible job of keeping these guys healthy all year. And I'm just pumped to be going to the playoffs. I know there's a whole bunch of people on Twitter and Facebook who are like depressed that we're in the playoffs, man, we are steps ahead of where we thought we'd be. So we should be happy about that. And I don't care where the draft picks land to be completely blunt. I just want to know that we're ahead in the build and we're not in the middle of a rebuild. We are in the middle of a retooling. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And we're definitely talk about the playoffs and, and this game uh, coming up week 18 against Dallas. And we'll get all our thoughts on that. Hey, Shane, it's been a while since you've been on with us. How have you been, my friend? Oh, everything's good here, man. Uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on for, for this week. Uh, now that the Eagles have, have clinched a playoff spot far earlier in, in the tenure of Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni than many people probably thought. But um, you know, obviously been following the show ever since you guys left the network that uh, that really the three of us were, um, were, pre- were pretty big cornerstones in developing when that was a real thing. So to see you guys flourish uh with this with your new brand and, and everything here it's it's pretty awesome so i'm excited to be on for uh for tonight's show with you too and uh you know throw it back a little bit yes sir thank uh thanks shane and and you know me i'll tell everybody me and shane we pretty regularly watch eagles games together and it's so fun watching games with shane because it's predictable <laughs> Cause we suck in the first half and he's like, Oh my God, this dog shit team. I can't stand them. And then by the end of the game, it's, I had faith the entire time. I knew we were going to win. It's the same <laughs> pattern every week. And it's the funniest thing in the world. Listen. Uh, so I don't want to make, I don't want to make light of, of mental illness and things like that. But I mean, if you want to see what bipolar is, like <laughs> it's you in, a, in one 60 minute period of time or 60 minute game period of time, I'm pretty sure that I'm there. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's an experience, uh, to, to say the least. And I, there's no one else I'd rather watch football games with than, than all I know. Else. Okay. So Shane, before, before we get going even, even further, it's what we want to discuss. You have no reason to say any of that in this week's game. And yet I already know it's coming out. Like we, <laughs> we know that the starters are probably going to play a series. So Kelsey can extend his, um, streak of starting games. And if you're going to have start Kelsey, you might as well start Dickerson and my and her big or and um johnson like give them all a series and like after they go three and out you'd be like what the hell like wh- why can't we do- why are we not running the ball because they'll throw the ball three <laughs> times and then and then we'll see gardner Minshew, and then it'll be like hmm, maybe gardner Minshew in the playoffs you never know but no i'm kidding but yeah no, no we have Jesus. no gonna have the nasty no- nate sudfeld <laughs> argument <laughs> yeah right the super Bowl year we have no reason shane 
to get pissed off at this week's game. It's a preseason. It's preseason game number four. We the Eagles are the first nine and seventeen to get a bye week in the playoffs because <laughs> this is their bye week into the playoffs. Um, it is but, beautiful. Yeah, right. I agree. But, I, I I love it. And and before we go any further, I think we need to celebrate the uh, the third anniversary of the double doink game that, <laughs> that was today. So that that's definitely. Uh, a, a good memory that I saw popping up all over Facebook and Twitter today. So you got to love that, that double doink and that memory. And I love seeing it once seeing a year. Maggie's that face, come up. Seeing Maggie's face, seeing uh, Trubisky saying, wow, seeing all the Bears players saying, wow. Um, Al Michaels and Chris Collins, Collinsworth probably shocked. The mascot falling was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Just behind the goalpost and just pretty much just passed out. Funny. I'm pretty sure me and Shane watched that game together too, and and we didn't even know what the hell happened. But the Eagles won, and then they should have, in theory, won the next week in New Orleans. But we won't talk about that. Uh, so, <laughs> Con- Connor, before we get going, you want to give a shout out to our partners over at the Fight Philly Fight Network? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to the Fight Philly Fight Network for bringing us on and for continuing to churn out some written content. Although I haven't been as busy. Um, with the written content, the off seasons here, there's so much to write about. There's going to be so much to talk about. So look for a lot more written content there. Um, and they can be found at FPF Network on Twitter, fightphillyfightnetwork.com. Um, and also a uh, shout out to BetUS, uh, our proud sponsors, sponsors of the Fight Philly Fight Network. Make sure you tell them the Kelly Green Hour sent you. Um, by using the promo code FPF Network, and that will get you a 125% sign-on bonus. Yes, sir. So definitely go and try to make some money. But if you want to bet this weekend's Eagles-Dallas game, I don't know why you would. You can go ahead and do that. All right, guys. Obviously, we want to. We you typically recap the the previous week's game. Eagles won 20 to 16. Um, another slow start, but they were able to come back. Ronnie McLeod with the game ceiling interception at the end. Josh Sweat had a really good game for the Eagles. What did he have? One and a half, two sacks. Now leads the team in, in sacks with eight. Um, the Eagles did what they were supposed to do. They beat a bad team. Um, I want to talk about, and something that you guys have already kind of started to hint at, but this retooling, rebuild, they're ahead of expectations. Coming into the year, the Eagles were projected to win, what, four, five, six games. They're over under, I think, was six and a half. And we looked at the front half of the schedule, and it was murder's row. Um, after Atlanta, I mean, it was San Francisco who typically, when healthy, has a good defense, a decent offense with Kyle Shanahan. Um, you saw Dallas on the schedule. We saw Tampa, Kansas City. We saw all these heavy hitters at the quarterback position, The uh, Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. We said, if they can just sustain walk just sustain themselves be three and five be four and six just get to that midway point where they're not going on a plane after the denver after going to denver they get all these home games against a really bad division you throw the jets in there you're taking a train or a bus up to met uh to the meadowlands or down the land over maryland you don't have to get on a plane if you can sustain and get to that back end of the schedule you have a shot to be in it. And that is exactly what happened. Look, I'm not proclaiming the Eagles to be a great team. They've beaten really bad competition. The best quarterback they play, played in the second half of the season, Teddy Two Gloves Bridgewater. And that doesn't really say much. And the defense, defense has beaten bad quarterbacks at the beginning of the year. 
We saw what they did against really good quarterbacks. But the coaching staff deserves credit. The team deserves credit. They didn't give up on themselves. They bought into Nick Sirianni. Shane, we'll start with you. How did this team keep it all together and surpass expectations coming into this year? Um, honestly, it for me, it starts with with Nick Sirianni. Um, you know, I, I think rightly so. People were extremely skeptical, you know, with the hire. Um, you know, the the overblown and over talked about first public interview with him. Um and everyone kind of had that Harry High School type of feel around him, right? Uh, but it's very clear that his passion for the game of football and his passion for teaching and his passion for his players is an infectious thing. And that, to me, is is what's so deeply romantic about sports. You know, we forget sometimes that there's still, outside of the product that's on the field, there's the relationships that, that you build across the way. It's the way that it ties communities together, all these different things. And to have someone who is extraordinarily passionate and it's a palpable energy that he brings to that locker room. And it's a palpable energy that he brings to the media room afterwards. That, to me, is where it really all, all kind of stems from. Because when, when you think about the Philadelphia Eagles as currently constructed, if you asked any random person, you know, who's, who's one of your favorite Eagles of all time that, that's currently representing, you know, the Midnight Green, so many people are going to sit there and they're, they're going to say you know, a guy like Jason Kelsey. That's the same thing as a Nick Sirianni. You know, he was he was an underdog himself. He was extraordinarily passionate and he's outspoken and he's got this big personality and and people just rally for and with him. And I think that's what you're seeing with Nick Sirianni. And I do think that, you know, while he was learning how to be an NFL head coach and while he was learning to, to grasp a locker room of 50 plus men and a staff and working with a front office that we, you know, we all have differing opinions on. It was going to take a little bit of time. And you know what? We had that gauntlet there and he got to see the depths of Philadelphia and how bad the media or fan base can react to things or me in the first half of a game, as LJ pointed out. When you get through that part and you start to learn how to not only lose, but correct those losses to turn them into more competitive losses and then eventually turn them into wins. That to me is the biggest thing. And you don't get that in a city like Philadelphia without a head coach. And I can't even believe I'm saying it, but like Nick Sirianni. So for me, yeah. that's where it's at. And I, and, and two things I want to, I want to touch on before we get to Connor, Jason Kelsey is reaching Brian Dawkins status. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can go back to the parade, obviously in the mummer's outfit in his speech, but he is such a legend. Like this guy is definitely an Eagles hall of famer. Nobody will wear number 62 ever again. And, I mean, he's working his way to being a pro football Hall of Famer. He's that good at what he does. And if you remember, you know, back when when he got back in the, the, the Chip Kelly days, there were talk of him not even being on the team anymore. And now, like I said, he is a, a, a legend reaching Brian Dawkins types. And when it comes to Nick Sirianni, he gets a lot of credit to where the veterans bought in and didn't divvy away from him. Yeah. Because they could have easily, when they were two and five, they could and 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 this flower talk, and they could have easily <laughs> been like, dude, really? And like it felt like he had and like you mentioned, Shane, the Harry High School thing. It just every time he talked, his favorite uh, he thinks the best coach he's ever known was his brother or his dad, high school coaches. And and as a professional football player, Fletcher Cox at the age of 31, 32, making all this money, could have been like, dude, really? Like, I gotta listen to this. I'm I'm at the back end of my career. I want to win a Super Bowl. I, like, get me out of here. He deserves a lot of credit. 
for getting those veterans to buy in. And, 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 and you're right, because I was one of those guys halfway through the year. I was like, I don't even know if he's going to make it through this year. I don't know if he'll be back next year. And when they hired him, we were talking about, you know, they could have went for Robert Sala and we see what, what's happening with the Jets. Granted, it's the Jets and they're not really that good. Urban Meyer getting hired in, in Jacksonville didn't even last year. Can't win there. Like of all the first year coaches, he might have been the best. Brandon Staley had a great start in the, with the Chargers. Like they've hit, he also a, they've Justin hit a, Herbert. That is very true too. When you have Justin Herbert who has all world arm, like it's, it's it's easy to win. And Austin Eckler and Joey Bosa and like so of all the coaches that got hired this cycle, like nobody in their right mind would have thought Nick Sirianni would be the one going to the playoffs with with a great team and that or not a great I don't want to say a great team, but with with all that he's got to go through, like the starters are good on this team, especially offensively. But when they when you're paying or you have thirty four million dollars devoted to a quarterback that's no longer here, it's tough to build a team around that. And he was able to get as much as he could out of this roster. And and that's where he deserves a lot of credit. And Connor, we'll go we'll go to you. What are your thoughts on how this team was able to surpass expectations and just make it to to Wild Card Weekend, which all in itself is is a win and a success in this 2020-2021 season? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because when you go on Eagles Facebook, you see all these people sharing these power rankings from the start of the season where the Eagles were pretty much buried in the bottom five and literally across the board, you know, Colin Coward, all these people had these rankings and they were certain the Eagles would be buried at the bottom. But I mean, I think this is just and I remember those weeks where you were saying, oh, this is going to be a one and done coach. And, and I stood here and I, I had to tell you to walk you or to walk you back off the cliff to calm you down and to make you realize this is a Jeffrey Lurie way. He takes these nobody coaches and gives them their first opportunity and they turn into something and they flourish. And I don't know how. They Jeffrey Laurie always manages to find these guys and to get this out of them and to have them get what we've seen Nick Sirianni get out of these players like you guys have been saying. But it's the Eagle way. It's the Jeffrey Laurie way. And and I mean, I don't think there's much more I can add to what you guys have said about Sirianni, because I don't think there's any specific players like Jalen Hurts. Like everybody playing through the noise has been incredible. Jalen Hurts not. Kind of like we've seen some some quarterbacks kind of falter and and fall to the media and kind of suffer at the hands of being an eagle and and Jalen Hurts didn't he's just kind of calm cool and collected and he's just trying to get through it when the situation happened with Gardner like Minshew he didn't give a yeah. he didn't give a crap he he kept playing through it he said this is he knows this is my I, he knew this was his job and he had to get it done and he had to do it right and he's take some steps forward. Like, I think there needs to be praise to Jalen Hurts as well because no, he's not amazing. No, he's not all world. No, no, he's never going to be the top, a top 10 quarterback or or what people might define as a franchise Whoa. quarterback, but Holy shit. Oh, so, sorry. I, uh, maybe, maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe I've overstepped, <laughs> but we've had this discussion before. Jalen Hurts may not be a franchise quarterback. He may just be a really good quarterback who's going to be able to help you get it done if you build the scheme around him like we saw Nick Sirianni do. And I don't even know if he really needs to be a franchise quarterback if if they can get the right player. Obviously, get the right players around him. And when you're talking about just the way he Jalen Hurts handles things, I mean, when the railing fell, 
at the at the end of the game when he was walking into the tunnel tunnel after the game against Washington, he just did a little sidestep. Like that could have been really dangerous. Like that could have fell on his knee, and we're, we're having a totally different conversation right now about the Eagles heading into the playoffs. And and Shane and I actually talked about this when he was coming out like with Tua with um, Justin Herbert, Joe Joe Burrow, like. I thought that Jalen Hurts had the opportunity, had the chance to be the best quarterback in that draft class. And then he got drafted by the Eagles. Never, I didn't think in a million years the Eagles were going to draft a quarterback in the second round. But, like, he, you saw what he did at Alabama. And you saw how he was able to handle the, co- the controversy with Tua and being benched in the championship game. And then the next year, going in for a hobbled Tua in, in the SEC championship game and playing like he played the entire year. Like he just has that in that that attitude about him that in his in between his ears, like he doesn't let anything phase him. And and Shane, you can kind of if you wanted to expound on that, something like me and you have always talked about that that draft yeah. year coming out. We said, look, this guy has a chance to be really good if he can go to the right team without before you know the Eagles drafted him. And right now he's proven <laughs> like he might not be the best, Herbert has the arm. Burrow is playing really good. Helps when you have Jamar Chase. But he is showing that he can lead a franchise. Is he a franchise quarterback? I don't know just yet. But he he's obviously a winner and can get to the playoffs. And we see, we'll see what he does. His numbers, his first, what, 20 starts or whatever it is, are comparable to Lamar Jackson. Again, I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, but he has the ability to be a really, really good quarterback. Yeah, you know, I so coming out of that draft, you and I were both, you know, kind of pounding that drum of, you know, we we believe that he has the potential to be the best quarterback or have the best career of any quarterback in that draft class. Um, you know, obviously, you know, as of this point, that's that's not the case, but it doesn't mean that he's not a really good one. Um, you and I have kind of debated over over time as well what he needs to be and when. And one of the things that I kind of take a look at is the Eagles situation as a whole, the way that they can be successful on offense and with a first year head coach and a first year coach who is calling plays. This is the first time Sirianni's ever called plays so much kind of works towards the gradual. Like we don't have to throw everything at Jalen hurts. Jalen hurts doesn't have to be, a guy who's going to throw the football 50 times this year, he probably doesn't have to be a guy who throws the ball 50 times even next year. So you can continue to gradually give him more of the playbook. You can give him more, uh, you know, student of the game type of stuff, you know, kind of expand his, what he is able to see with defenses and continue to allow him to kind of ingratiate himself as a, a true leader in that locker room, through and through that's offense, defense, special teams, coaching staff, the, the people who serve their food. Like that's the kind of man that he is. It's the kind of person he is. It's the kind of football player that he is and teammate that he is. Um, and, so, and, and I, go ahead. sorry, not, not to cut you off. I hate to compare him to Carson Wentz, but you saw how last year when he got in there, the team gravitated towards him. Yeah. And they, they feel him as a leader. They know he can lead the team. I didn't get the sense of that as much as I like Carson. I didn't really get the sense of that with Carson. Like he, he he was kind of standoffish um, when, yeah. it, when it came to his presence in the locker room. And it's a totally different feeling with uh, Jalen Hurts leading this team. So with Carson Wentz, it always kind of felt like he had his, you know, 
five to eight teammates uh, or coaches or, or people around that, you know, the organization that he was extremely close with. And, you know, those were the guys that he was sharing moments with when, you know, very well could have been a lot of their last games as Philadelphia Eagles um, on that last game last year. Um, he always kind of had that group, but it, the rest of the team, it never really felt like there was this infectious brotherhood type of thing there um, or that familial aspect of things with Jalen hurts. He, he, genuinely seems like like the nicest guy in any room you might walk into like he to me seems like the guy who it doesn't matter who like Jalen Hurts may invite you LJ to to a Christmas party at his house and you bring a guest with you he'll spend more time getting to know your guest for you than he will sit there and talk to his small group of five or eight friends that, because that's, that's how he feels yeah. Like that yeah. to me, it seems like he's that, you know, drone drops him anywhere on the planet and he's going to leave with 50 new friends. He's that kind of infectious of a dude. Um, and that's, again, it's a palpable energy from him. And that's, that's a, to me, it's, it's so, so important to have, especially at the quarterback position, the most important position in sports with Jalen, along with this whole success thing. And is he a franchise quarterback? Is he not? You can, so I don't remember if it was you or me actually now, I don't know I think about it, but it compared him to a trajectory of what Russell Wilson kind of became, you know, it was all in the backs of the defense and give the ball to Marshawn and see what happens. It's like, you just have to manage the game and not screw up. And he's a pretty effective manager of a football game right now. He has a, a dimension that he's willing to use a little bit more than what Russell Wilson did in the beginning, which makes him even more valuable at the quarterback position than a Russell Wilson early in his career. The difference between those two scenarios is the fact that that Seahawks team was very much so ready for championship football, and they could win and win with a game manager. We don't have enough on both sides of the football at this point to truly be championship contention right now and immediately for, for years to come a lot that's going to be remain to be seen but Jalen can follow that similar path of we got an amazing run run blocking uh, line we have it doesn't matter who the hell's getting the ball in the backfield they're just going to run it for 150 plus yards a night and then they have Jalen Hurts who can add to the run game and who's pretty safe as a passer with the football to me if it takes three years before he's the guy that we need you to throw it 50 times tonight, Jalen, win me this football game. Okay. We have the flexibility to do that. So I do so I that he's the guy. I, I agree with you, but we need one person to also agree with us. And that's Howie Roseman. Howie is the guy that wants to go out there and get the superstar quarterback. There's, that's yeah. why the Eagles are always rumored when it comes to the Russell Wilson's, Deshaun Watson's, Aaron Rodgers, the guys that are available and the Eagles will always be mentioned in that light until those quarterbacks are elsewhere, until those quarterbacks aren't available for Howie Rosen to trade, Howie Roseman to go out and trade. So like, I feel like as a fan base, we bullied Nick Sirianni into like saying running the football, obviously like that <laughs> Dallas game when they threw the ball 50 times, ran it three times. Like that was a mistake, obviously. And he realized that he made the change and realized, okay, we're a running team. I don't know if Howie Roseman is going to be the type of where we can, where the fan base unanimously can be like, Jalen Hurts is the guy. Keep give him another year, let him grow with this team, and and, and move forward. You can make you make the playoffs in his first four year full year as a starter with a brand new coach. 
what can, what else can he do? We need to learn that. And that's the that's my thing. So Connor, what do you think? Like, is Howie Roseman gonna give him that opportunity, or you know, if if Aaron Rodgers tells Green Bay, I want out, and the Eagles are will will Howie Roseman pick up the phone right away and go, we got three first round picks, Jalen Hurts. What are your thoughts? Like, is that gonna happen? I I, I hope not personally. I mean. I- I get it. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and the opportunity to have Aaron Rodgers be your quarterback would be amazing for two, three, four years, whatever he's going to be around for. But as you've seen, Aaron Rodgers comes with baggage, some baggage that I don't think the people of Philadelphia will will handle very well. What? I said, he's not with Olivia Munn anymore, man. I know, I know he's not. But if he went back to her and he came, I pay attention to no celebrity couples whatsoever. But whomever is dating Olivia Munn, I know that person. I know. I'm just saying, like, if 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 he got her back and and then he came to Philly, Shane would be like, Jalen, who we got? We got Olivia Rogers. Let's let's not speak to my weaknesses right now, as a man. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Connor. (laughs) But that's the thing, though. Like, you see everything somebody says or does he has to have a comment he has to be the center of attention he has to have his voice be heard and that I just don't know if that works in Philadelphia Jalen Hurts is a softer spoken quieter guy you don't really hear much from him even in the press conferences like I usually hear the comments from everybody else and I'm like man did Jalen Hurts even speak at this press conference because he says nothing that generally stands out the the most prominent press conference that he had was basically when he was saying how his ankle was feeling and and if he was going to be back after the game that Gardner Minshew had that was like the most I heard Jalen Hurts talk in a press conference or quotes coming out of a press conference from Jalen Hurts um and I think we kind of need that in Philadelphia you need that common demeanor Aaron Rodgers is a very common guy when he's in game throwing the football throwing that laser beam of a ball and make making every most of his wide receivers look really good but off the field, Aaron Rodgers just isn't that guy. And I, me personally, and you know this, L, because I've been talking about this almost since like week one. It's more important for us to use these three firsts than to trade these three firsts for something. And I stand by that and I continue to think that this is a really good, like top heavy defensive class. You know what couple teams are going to jump early for quarterbacks. Um, you know that there's offensive linemen there. You know that there's so much we could get the future replacement for Jason Kelsey and Tyler Linderbaum because Landon Dickerson has clearly landed very comfortably at the left guard position. We could potentially get our future CB1 from Derek Stingley, Andrew Booth, uh, Roger McCreary. Like, there's so many different names. The Edges, David Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson, DeMarvin Leal as as that flexible defensive lineman. I want N'Kobe Dean, by the way. N'Kobe Dean. I haven't even dug into the linebackers like N'Kobe Dean, Devin Lloyd. There's so many names. There's just so much. If you could hit these three picks on the defensive side of the ball or even the center. I think the biggest need on the offensive side of the ball has to be center. If you can land Linderbaum, you do it. If not, I don't like these mock drafts with a wide receiver. I just can't fathom it. Three straight years of having going for a wide receiver in the first round. We need a veteran presence in that room. The average age, we currently have three wide receivers under contract next year at I think it's an average age of like 24 years old. You need a veteran presence. Bringing in Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, yeah, wow, that sounds amazing. 
But bringing in a guy with some experience who can help these guys grow and mature and get better at the position because they've been in the NFL for four, five, six years, I think that's more important than going and drafting for the third straight year a wide receiver in the first round. I I think we can all agree on that, though, with the three first-round picks. One of them is definitely getting traded for a pick next year because that's what Howard does. He likes the wheel and deal. They'll, they'll They'll use two of the first round picks, whether it's for Linden. I don't know if they'll be high enough for Tyler Lindenbaum. Um, I don't know if they'll draft the linebacker, but if they do, it should be N'Kobe Dean or Lloyd. I, man, watching N'Kobe Dean in that game against um, – who the heck did they play? Michigan. He was all over the field. Like, it was ridiculous. Um, and, and getting to watch him in the uh, national championship game is going to be awesome awesome as well. Like, do go out there and find impact, like you said. Players yeah, that no, be day one starters. Definitely. I, I agree. And and that's the thing. Like you need those day and if he believes like he's getting a really good value when he's on the clock with one of those first round picks, say he moves he gets a first and he moves back in this year's draft to a second or really high third round. I I would be hesitant. I think it would have to be a second. Like you need a really good, like blow me away return to trade one of those first, even to get another first next year. Um, But if you can just move back around this year and then get the first next year, hundred percent, but you got blow him away by how he is actually blown away. And I know it's early to talk draft because like, we love the draft and they're in a, they're a playoff (laughs) team. So it's, it's something we're going to hold off on, but, like if 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 a quarterback, this quarterback class stinks. Like Jalen Hurts would be a number one pick in this with this with with this uh, quarterback class. But if a Sam Howell starts dropping, if if uh, Malik Willis starts dropping, and you get a a team that's looking for a quarterback and they get a little hungry, like they could call Howie and be like, "Hey, uh, we want this quarterback. We'll give you a first next year and maybe a second or a third. Like you jump on that. I 100% agree with that, but. If you're not going to get the value, you go and, and get a player that will be an impact right away. Get, if, if you're able to get a – like I would love Kyle Hamilton, but he's going to go top five. Like can, if you can get mm-hmm. a safety that, that can be come in right away and start because both safeties may, may, may or may not be back next year. If you can get an end to, you know, to replace Derek Barnett, who we think is going to be gone, and Brandon Graham potentially could be ready for the start of the year, but you, you need to get younger anyway that can start across from Josh Sweat, you do it. Get to, like you said, get somebody to replace Jason Kelsey. You don't uh, – unless you're blown away by a receiver, you probably don't take one in. You wait till next year and go for like a Jackson Smith and Jigba who had an outstanding game in the Rose Bowl, by the way. Like you, you, can, you, you can get receivers in other years, obviously. But you shouldn't do it for three – they've done it for, what, three, two years in a row, whatever – you don't. You shouldn't do it because you've screwed up in the past. Like you said, mm-hmm. go out and get a veteran receiver. Get a if you mm-hmm. can get Devontae Adams, even though he's probably going to get franchise tag, you get him. Uh, Mike Williams, um, Allen yep. Robinson. There are a bunch of receivers that you bring into this room that can start across from Devontae Smith, but can also teach Devontae Smith and teach Quez Watkins and maybe teach Jalen Rager and teach them how to be professionals. That's what they do need. Agreed. And, and I mean, two, two things I want to add to that. So I do, um, one of my, uh, one of the many hats I wear is I, I do social media for uh, a group of guys who do uh, draft content. The rise and draft team is what they're called. And, um, they're, they're very well connected in the community. And I asked the question is Jalen hurts 
better than any quarterback in this class. They said, first of all, that their first comment was Jalen Hurts isn't that good. Their second comment was Jalen Hurts is better than anyone in this draft class. So we can be confident in knowing that in a community of, I think this is like eight to 10 guys, the majority of them agreed that Jalen, you, you would be, it would be a very bad decision on the Eagles part to go in on quarterback this year through the draft. It, it isn't that good of a class. Jalen Hurts, if he's better than any of those guys, clearly it, it, it's it's not worth doing. And if somebody else wants to move up and do that, and we know some teams are going to go ahead and pull the trigger early and make that that mistake, go ahead. But that was just a follow-up to the Jalen Hurts comment. And the second thing I wanted to say, uh, you're very generous with Derek Barnett because he is not coming back. There is zero chance he comes back. There, he has made defensive end a glaring need. And, well, Brandon Graham helped make it a glaring need because it helped show we have nothing behind Brandon Graham. And Brandon Graham is super, like, Sweat's been getting better, but he's not consistent yet. And Brandon Graham brings that, you know you have to double team. You know you have to watch that guy really close. And we know that the edges and and Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave are missing Brandon Graham dearly. And and just to add to that, like Derek Barnett, I, I brought a couple stats to the to the show tonight for this. He's played the most snaps of his career. His He has 11 QB hits this season, which is tied for his career low, which he got in his six-game 2018 season. So he's played the most snaps, a full 16-game season, going to be 17-game season, and he tied his career low of 11 QB hits that he had in a six-game season. And two sacks are also a career low. He played himself out of a job. He needed to have a career season, and he played himself out of the job. And it, so so the fact that you said might not be is is just disrespectful, L. He <laughs> will not be back. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, and, and the fact that he has more penalties, career penalties and career sacks, none of that helps. You know, when it comes to Brandon Graham, like I do want to bring out one point. He, he does the – um. He does a show. Uh, he has the Brandon Graham show month, uh, after games on, on WIP. I think when the team was like midway through the year, two and five, three and five, whatever, three and six, he said the Eagles were going to make the, te- the playoffs as a wild card. And he wasn't joking. He wasn't saying that. He, he was legit serious about it. And that's exactly what happened. So kudos to him. He knows the team, knows the coaching staff. And, and the fact that, again, I'll mention it, Sirianni was able to get these veterans to buy in. And that's exa- and. They they were able to make a run. Was it against stellar competition? No, but it doesn't matter. They, they were able to make the run and, and, and make the playoffs, and now anything can happen. Now, speaking of the playoffs, there are, I'm going to say three, I guess four if you want to include Dallas, but there are three potential teams that the Eagles can play. Are two, Tampa Bay, the Los Angeles Rams, potentially the Arizona Cardinals, potentially, but... It's a little lacking. I want to stick with Los Angeles and Tampa Bay because I think they are the two realistic teams that the Eagles will play in the wild card round of the playoffs. Who would you rather the Eagles face? Shane, we'll start with you. Um, you know, I, I think I'd rather, I think I'd rather play the Rams. Stafford's having turnover issues right now. Um, it'll be a big stage for him in the playoffs, obviously something that he's, you know, not overly accustomed to coming from Detroit all those years. And overall, like that Rams team and organization, this is, 
this is a level of desperate for them. Like this is this is kind of the last the last real go here. Um, yeah, you could argue that they have maybe next year and and possibly uh, one more you know after that. But I, I mean, no draft capital. The, the, they got high salaries over there. Um, to me, that feels like a very desperate football team um, and organization. Um, so I, I feel like that's a safer, a safer bet if you're going to play one of the two. And I also just, I loathe the man. Uh, he, he's such a good villain in, in the NFL, but I find it hard to believe that, that Tom Brady, uh, you know, doesn't beat this football team. I mean, that was one of the most embarrassing. I, I mean, he wasn't try. He could have, he could have played that game in, in week nine or 10, whatever it was left-handed. And he still would have diced up that soft and passive defense by Gannon. And you just can't win against a quarterback that smart. No, I, I, I do agree with you. Do you think that like the game plan would be different for at least we, we assume it should be, but will Gann- would Gannon have a different game plan? Now, when it comes to the to, actually answer that question first, and then I'll kind of expand on Gannon should, right? Like in theory, his, he shouldn't be playing the safeties at Citizens Bank Park, right? Like <laughs> he, they, they should be playing a, uh, well, I guess there, it'd be, the game's going to be in Tampa. Like, it, it would be really, really hard for, for Tom Brady not, or for them to stop Brady. I think, but they have to blitz. Like, they know what to expect, and Tampa is beat up. Like, Mike Evans is hurt. Godwin's out. Um, <laughs> AB, Antonio Brown. They have a bunch of Antonio Brown. <laughs> like, he's not going to be there. Uh, they have a bunch of cornerback issues. Like. And I, I don't think the, the Eagles now, I don't think are afraid of running the football against that team. Like they were that first time. Yeah. Look, I don't, I, I know that the roster differences between the two teams is, is pretty massive. Um, however, again, that quarterback position and Tom Brady finds a way, man. Um, yeah, that, that dude's just so good and so smart. And Gannon is just so passive. I will say one thing. I believe that the defense, the personnel on the field is better and more equipped to handle Tom Brady now than they were two months ago. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's a positive, but overall, like I don't, you don't get to have slow starts against quality quarterbacks and, and quality offensive minds. You don't get to have that, especially in the playoffs and Gannon. It, it's weird. I get the feeling with Gannon and his passiveness and his just vanilla, everything. It feels like everything that he does is specifically to set you up for the second half. Like mm-hmm. scripted 15s with the offense is a thing, but scripted defensive things is, is freaking bizarre to me. To <laughs> me, you see some of these things. You're like, okay, like I, I see some of the personnel shifts here. I see some of the, the the looks and shades that they're doing, and then they back out of it. Are they baiting you into a second half thing? And if that's the case, like you're not baiting Tom Brady. It's just not yeah, what he could be 143 years old. You're not, which he will him. be like next year. So <laughs> it's absurd. So but like, so the one thing you just said, or the, the one thing I give Gannon credit for is they, their second half adjustments are really good. Like, I don't know why they don't start a game. Like it's the third quarter, um, both <laughs> offensively and defensively. Cause the, the adjustments are really like insanely good. Something that I think Doug Peterson sort of kind of struggled with. We know Andy Reid struggled with with adjustments in a game. Like Monday through Saturday, Andy Reid was a hell of a coach. When he was in Philly, hell of a coach. But when it came to making adjustments on Sunday, 
he, it was few and far between that he was actually going to make the right, make an adjustment or make the right adjustment. The one thing I noticed about this coaching staff is they are, they, the adjustments they make from the first half to the second half are really good. I just don't, you're right. The one thing that you said that I 100% agree with, you cannot start slow in the playoffs, especially against the, the caliber of quarterback that you're going to be going up against. You're going to be going up against Stafford or Brady. I mean, potentially Dak, potentially, you know, Kyler Murray in the first round. You're not going to be able to beat those teams if you start the games the way you have been starting the last month. You've been fortunate to go up against the Garrett Gilbert, Taylor Heineke, (laughs) uh, Jake Fromm, Mike Lennon, um, Zach Wilson. Like, if you have gone, if you had gone up any against any competent quarterback, any competent offense. You're not making comebacks in those games the way they were able to over the last month of the year. No, without without a question, um, you know, and and that's this is this is going to be a, a real test. And I know, like for me, you and I have talked about this. I've talked about this with with people, obviously, outside of these shows. Um, I understand the numbers are what the numbers are when you when when people talk about the Eagles' defense right now and they're top ten in so many different categories and. Mm-hmm. I like I sit there and I look and I'm like I I know but like I'm I'm not like a dumb guy I'm not saying I'm I'm some football genius I I'll never pretend to be that but I do know what my eyes are telling me and the passive vanilla type of style and the gutless play that or decision making I should say not really play from Gannon is so concerning to me that it's one of those things where I'm like if at the end of the year they decided like if someone wanted to hire him as a head coach which is still absurd to me no <laughs> i would be like yeah take him take I, i'm great with that but if he was here and maybe we got him that nicobe dean i would be like you know what i'd be curious yeah, i don't think to he see how much that yeah exactly so like if, if he defense, had yeah. younger stronger safeties and faster safeties if he had legitimate linebacking staff for an entire season i i would be curious to see what gannon could do so both of these arguments exist to me like you could shoot him to the to the moon and i'd be thrilled and he could be here with a linebacker next year and maybe i'll be equally as thrilled i don't know he's such a weird I mean, like, you have to how, like they tried because like they brought in eric wilson and we thought he was going to be good or he was obviously trash they tried but it, it, it didn't work um and the one thing you said that about the eagles you could say for dallas too like dallas played the same teams the eagles played mm-hmm. and they won those games and looked dominant until they faced a real offense and a real quarterback and then they lost so like we saw like if dallas is going to lose their first playoff game because they're going to play either arizona or la a a team that has a legit quarterback and we 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 know how they do against them connor who do you want to see the eagles play in the first round i think i would have to agree with uh shane and with you on on probably the la rams i mean if i had my choice i think but it's the least likely is Dallas because I feel like we can probably beat Dallas. I, I love the idea of of a divisional matchup. There's always just more juice to a divisional matchup. Um, but like I agree with you guys on on what you say about the Bucks. Tom Brady will find a way to win. Get look what he did this past week against the Jets. On that final drive, you knew they gave him too much time. You knew Tom Brady was going to do something, and he ended up doing something, and he ended up winning the game, and he ended up using uh, uh, multiple times in that game uh, like their fifth string wide receiver who nobody knew before this game. Like 
Tom Brady uses the weapons that he has at his disposal, and he will do what he has to do with Mike Evans, Gronk, uh, Frenette if he's back, whoever it is that's going to be in the lineup, he will use them, and and he will find a way to win. Um, Whereas Matt Stafford, like you guys said, he does have a case of the turnovers lately. Um, We have a secondary that doesn't, didn't get them a lot, but seems to get them very timely. And that's the good thing about this is like you could get those timely interceptions. That can be the game changer. They only beat a completely battle tested Ravens team 20 to 19 this past week. Um, so like. I, I, I no think fears of them traveling across the country. No, I mean, we can I, I could say yes, but I, I really Ship don't. Because starters now. I don't give a damn. Yeah, like it doesn't even at this point doesn't even matter to me in my eyes when they're traveling. They know it's a playoff game. They know what they're playing for. They've fought back from where they were to get into this playoff spot. They're not just gonna let a cross country travel do anything to affect their game. Um, who, who stops? I, I wouldn't Cup? worry about that. How many catches does Cooper Cup have against us? No, I'm kidding. Hey, no, yeah, I, like, if you play, if you want to play the cover two and keep. Cooper Cup in front of you. I mean, whatever. At the end of the day, if you can keep them to just field goals, like the specialty seems to be with him, a touchdown periodically, but a whole lot of field goals because they work their way till our backs are up against the end zone. Then, I mean, I guess fine. Do do yeah, that if that's the way you got to stop. Runner that I, yeah, no, his, it really he's wouldn't so matter. Filthy. Yeah, he's it, filthy I, with his route running. It would be all about Darius Slay and even Dar- even Darius Slay. I'm like, ah oh, man, that's Cooper Cup man. Probably he's slicing and dicing everybody. Man, Maddox would probably. So, and then and when it comes to that Rams defense, look, we know they have big names: Aaron Donald, Von Miller, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Aaron Donald, when he faces the Eagles, he doesn't really do much of anything, and that and that's where the credit to the Eagles offensive disgusting. line goes to. Huh? I said our line is disgusting. It's like the one thing in all of Philadelphia sports where you have a core of greatness in in any of the core four sports. None of these teams have been able to develop the next except for offensive lines in Philadelphia Eagle history. (laughs) I can't remember a time where we ever never retire. (laughs) He better never die. Nothing like (laughs) that's where science should go right now. Science should stop everything else. And they should say, how can we freeze this man and then just reproduce him? over and over and over again. He said, damn, that was, I think the biggest, I think something I mentioned, I may have mentioned it last week or a couple weeks ago. The biggest get for Nick Sirianni was keeping Jeff Stoutland because Stoutland was going to go back to Alabama. Um, He was going to go be the O-line coach at Alabama, but he stayed. And I think him staying made me, Kelsey was going to stay at least a year. And if, if Stoutland left, Kelsey probably retires and who knows what the offensive line looks like right now. Um, so them like the biggest get the biggest off season, I don't want to call him the acquisition because he was already here, but you know, the biggest re-signing, if you want to quote unquote, is sure. getting Jeff Stoutland to stay. Because that set everything in motion. He's the run game coordinator. Obviously, what he's been able to do with Mayalata, Dickerson, Herbig, Driscoll when he was healthy, like what he was able to do with these guys, Sua Opeta, like he he's such an outstanding coach that I I've said it before that the day Jason Kelsey retires, like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. The day, the day <laughs> Jeff Stoutland retires or leaves, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Who's going to become the new head coach or the new offensive line coach, excuse me, uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with you on on that point. Like Jeff Stoutland coming back was so necessary. And I know that, you know, when when you're you're run blocking, you you make less mistakes. And that's why it's very advantageous that Philadelphia goes that way, because as you saw earlier in the season, when we did pass, there were lapses and and it leaves you exposed to make more mistakes in, in the pass game and in pass protection. So but you can't not acknowledge how much Jeff Stoutland has done through all the injuries. Look at last year when we had, what, 14, 15, 16 different combinations of starting offensive linemen. This year, we had the injury to Brandon Brooks again. Uh, then we had the second right guard go down in Driscoll. And now we're down, now we're under, what, Nate Herbig? And, I mean, he has his moments, of course. But, I mean, you're looking at the third right guard. You got Landon Dickerson, a guy who was coming off an ACL tear, was supposed to be the future center. And you got him comfortably at left guard. You locked down that left side with a guy who hadn't even played football before he was drafted and brought to Philadelphia and Jordan Mailata, who's now like the franchise left tackle. So, I mean, you have to acknowledge the the greatness that that he is as a coach and whatever he does in practice to get these guys the way they are. Uh, Jordan Mailata speaks is a huge testament to that. Like, it's amazing. It truly is a, a thing of beauty. Definitely is. All right. So let's move on to our favorite segment, the unheralded, player of the week for week 17 i mean i mean week 17 i'm used to being the last week of the season so the fact that we still have one regular season game left is still still quite a little confusing wait until we go to uh, 18 games in, in a couple years all right our unheralded player of the week connor we'll start with you who do you have as your unheralded player of the week and week 17 of the national football league I can't remember if you went with him a couple weeks ago, but I'm going with him this week. It's Donta Foreman from the Tennessee Titans. I did not um, go with him yet. So. Okay, well, the the Dolphins were proved that their seven straight wins was kind of flawed because they had an incredibly easy record because they got crushed by the Titans, who are somehow continuing to roll. I think they're atop the AFC right now. So yeah, they continued. Yeah, they continue to roll, and Donta Foreman is a huge reason for that. 26 carries, 132 yards, and a touchdown. The Titans are kind of like Philadelphia in a way that they will not give up on the run. They had their big, they had the running back, the the king, Derrick Henry, go down, and everyone thought that their whole scheme would change and everything would change. They brought in Adrian Peterson. It was like that wasn't working out, and then this Donta Foreman. A guy who came off a torn Achilles um, in his rookie season or whatever and was not getting the right, wasn't getting a look, wasn't getting the proper opportunity is definitely going to get an opportunity next year now. And he can thank the Tennessee Titans for that because they have continued to feature him in that Russian attack without a care in the world for the fact that they don't have Derrick Henry. Um, so the fact who will that they've able to, who will be back for their first playoff. Exactly, who will be back? Yeah, they. Yeah, he was already activated. He's been practicing this week. Obviously, he's not going to play in this this week. Whether they get the first seed or the second seed, I don't think they want to put Henry at risk of injury. But they don't need to worry about him because uh, they got, got like Foreman took twenty six carries. That's crazy. 26 carries is a monster workload, and it helps hide Tannehill and his really atrocious passing game because they have literally A.J. Brown, who's here, there, depends on the week, and injured and beat up Julio Jones, who's gone, and and 
than a bunch of names that we don't even really need to dive into. So I think it's just know, super Shane, impressive what they've done with the Russian attack there. And I know Shane right now is doing his Yeah, where did he, where, where he go to school? Thing. Where was that? Crappy Texas is going to look like crap in the SEC, by the way. Oh, so this is like the last like year that I can even associate with Texas football. So <laughs> They lost to Kansas last I don't want to talk about anything. I, up, let's like, talk about the NFL. points, right? It's not, <laughs> it's not important. This is not important. <laughs> Shane, who's your unheralded player of the week from last week? So I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Daryl Williams uh, of the Chiefs. So okay. as important as Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey are to, to that, and Tyreek Hill, Byron Pringle coming out in the zone, um, that that pass game is is ridiculous, and we know that. But in the playoffs, you are playing the top tier defenses, you are playing smart defensive coordinators, and you do have to have some balance to that game. And the Chiefs just seem to always have that running back by committee type of thing that, you know, it's it's impressive because the numbers are never eye popping. However, in this game, though, ultimately a loss, um, you know, Darrell Williams went out there. Uh, he rushed for I don't know, 15, 18 carries, something like that for 90 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and, you know, I I believe. Actually, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure he caught like three passes for 20 yards or four passes for 20 yards as well. Um, but it's incredibly important going into the playoffs that you have some some run game support there, if nothing else, to force them to kind of come up in the box a little bit and, you know, open up the the rest of that field for what that passing attack truly can be. So um, I'm excited for it to see what the Chiefs can continue to do offensively, as they always do. It's just a a damn show that they put on every week. Hey, you did my bugaboo. You picked the guy from a losing team. Shaking my head. Yeah, I was gonna. Um, I was gonna say. Yeah, I mean, I warned him, but it was an impressive <laughs> showing, and it was impressive that without the stats up, you almost nailed his line because it was 14 carries, 88 yards, two touchdowns, nailed it. Three receptions, 19 yards. <laughs> Listen, I was okay. going. I was going to go. With the two names that obviously everyone should be going with, but I went. We'll, I we'll went. figure out. If, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Antoine Wesley from the Arizona Cardinals. He only had okay. four catches. He, he only had 30 yards. Big 85. But he had two. But he had two touchdowns. And he beat the Dallas Cowboys, which is always a good thing. So I'm going Antoine Wesley. Who were the two guys you said we should have went with? Not really unheralded at all, but uh, I think a couple Bengals need to be talked about right Jamar now. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. My yeah, they're not God, anymore. I don't give a damn. I just wanted to talk about them. They're so good. I was we so can wrong. talk about like Jamar I was so Chase wrong is a beast. about Burrow. <laughs> oh, I think I, I think I was too. I mean, he he's he is really good. Did, did you see wrong there's about a meme out college. there that there's a meme out there saying that Joe Burrow is who Cleveland thought Baker Mayfield was yes. going to be. Yes. <laughs> And it's true. And it's true. He, he really is. But he, he is good. Um, and he's got Cincinnati. Like, it's Cincinnati we're talking about. They're usually the dreck of the league. And they just won the AFC North. Um, you know, so. Oh, yeah. It helps. Dude, the speed that Jamar, Jamar Chase took a, a t- 12-yard hitch and went 72 yards. Or 62 yards, whatever it was. Like, that's ridiculous. How many like Devontae Smith is good, but he doesn't have Jamar Smith, uh, Jamar Chase speed. Excuse me. Like that's and I and I think that Miami traded up the six, thinking that maybe Cincinnati would have went elsewhere, maybe an offensive lineman or something. 
And when that didn't happen, they probably were like, oh, I guess we got to go Jalen Waddle now. Um, but yeah, Jamar Chase is a freaking beast. 100% agreed. Yeah. I, I, I want to say, like, Jalen Waddle, they shouldn't be disappointed with that Constellation prize. No, they shouldn't be. But. Um, yeah, Jamar Chase is an absolute monster. That combination of of Higgins and Chase and and Burrow and, and I'd even throw Tyler Nixon. Boyd. I know he's just a little slot guy and he's getting left behind in the dust by these humongous like games by Higgins and and uh, and Chase. But man, that they're dangerous. They're going to be da- a very dangerous team. If I I mean. I think this year would be a little premature, but in the next two to three years, if they continue to build the way they're building and that offense continues to remain intact, who boy, that's scary to think about. That duo, that duo is going to be crazy. Like we talk about Mahomes and Hill or Mahomes and Kelsey. We talk about just the, if you want to go Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert, um, Dak and CD or Dak and Cooper. Like you talk about these tandems these duos at the quarterback receiver position burrow burrow and chase are going to be the the top of the league for a long time if as long as they stay healthy gross just gross <laughs> all right so let's move on to this preseason game number four the philadelphia eagles the first nine and seven team with a bye week <laughs> heading into the playoffs against the dallas cowboys the nfc's champions um again i'm thinking the eagles are going to start the starters for a series so kelsey can get uh, extend his starting streak um, if he comes off the COVID list, which I'm guessing he will with the new rules. Micah Parsons not traveling to Philly. He's on the COVID list. Dallas has a, a couple other players. Anthony Brown, um, Tyron Smith also put on the COVID list. Dallas claims that they're going to play their starters because that offense has looked like crap when they're not playing against the you know the Giants or the Washington football team. Um, what are we ex- like? What are the expectations for this game? Like. I, I know at the beginning of the show, Shane, I said, dude, you don't have to get, you don't have to start with the, why are we throwing the ball? You know, this dog shit team. And then at the end be like, all right, I know, you know, I had faith the entire time. We can go into this game with very little stress, very little pressure. Are you, is, is that what's going to happen for us Saturday night? Or are you going to still be stressed out when, you know, Garner Minshew throws a pick that Trayvon Diggs, who, by the way, Trayvon Diggs, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this as well. Thousand yards. Somebody put Trayvon Diggs is the uh, is the Jameis Winston of quarterbacks. Has, oh my God! Yeah, that's a those, perfect analogy. <laughs> he has he has all these picks that has given up over a thousand yards uh, to receivers, He's, which is the most in the league. Like yeah. he is the Jameis Winston of corners. <laughs> it's hilarious. But yeah, um, so like, what are your what, what are your thoughts, expectations going to this game? Like, it, it doesn't even matter if we win. Obviously, like we can't go higher than six. We can't dictate who we're who we're gonna play in the playoffs. So yeah. this is a glorified, you know, preseason scrimmage game for the Eagles. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't uh my main thing as cliche as it is, is just starters, backups, whomever's out there, just just leave healthy. Um, you know, that's that's the the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway. Um if you if you want to to throw Kelsey out there for that thing, I've I've always been like I've always said, I, I think those streaks are just ridiculous. I never care uh, about how long you've been playing or starting games active. You're a center though. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's extraordinarily impressive. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from it. I'm just saying it doesn't mean anything to me. Like mainly because I, I tie shit to a, a guy like Keith Yandel, who is just making my head explode four nights a week. Um, 
you know, over there across the, across the way. But um, I, you know, I think in terms of expectations, um, I, I hope Dallas does play their starters all game. Um, and for me, it's just, it's one more look at that team. If not for the playoffs at, at, at a certain point this year, if, if crazy things happen, uh, for for next year because a lot of that offense uh, is is still going to be there in some capacity and you know we believe the man calling the plays will still be there too you know so show us a little bit more I'm I'm here for it like let's let's do that um, for the offense also how crazy go ahead how crazy is it going to be if next week round one the Eagles win Dallas like is Nick Sirianni already a better coach than Mike McCarthy who fraudulently won a Super Bowl with Green Bay because he has well, one of the yeah. greatest quarterbacks of all time. Exactly. Yeah. And they should, he, not probably cost, he probably cost Rodgers a couple of Super Bowls, by the way. Just saying. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, uh, collectively, him, the front office, the whole that whole yeah. thing was a mess. How you have Aaron Rodgers for the, the length of time that Green Bay has and come away with one Super Bowl is just... I mean, they only got one with Brett Favre, too. Uh, it's malpractice. I just don't... Well, Brett, Brett Favre's over, overrated. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I mean, if you want to look, Sirianni should be in contention for coach of the year. Um, well, if Doug Peterson didn't win it in 2017, there's zero shot that Sirianni wins it. Yeah. Just but so. everyone had a hard on for McVeigh cause he's fucking adorable out there. Can we curse <laughs> on here? I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, I guess so. Yeah, my you bad. get one of them. <laughs> my, my bad. <laughs> I've been, I've been good all show. I sat here. I got a whiteboard behind me that says, don't swear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, expectations for the game, just get out healthy. Um, and, I agree with that. Yeah, it's, and am I going to be sitting there? No. And you know why I'm not going to be? Because we're going to eat the crap out of some wings. That's why. I'm just going to be <laughs> sitting there. I'm going to not eat all day. And I'm just going to be like, this is, this is what I've been preparing for all day and all week. <laughs> Is how many wings I can eat. <laughs> That's fine. Definitely, Connor, definitely, like... definitely jealous of you guys doing that. But uh, I mean, th- it's the same premise for, for for as you said, Shane. Like it's all about coming out healthy. Make sure if you play them for a series or two, you make sure you keep it to the minimum, and you make sure that if something's tweaked or if someone doesn't feel right, you pull them out. Don't make any stupid decisions. This game means nothing to us. It's all about the other people jockeying for their position. We could care less. We're in. We're playing one of these four teams, likely one of these three teams. Highest percentage chance. Somebody put out a whole chart with the breakdown of everything. Highest percentage chance is Tampa Bay at 56%. So it depends how that all shakes out. We we just we need to watch other games and see who we play in the first round. Um, but I'm more interested to see some of these backups, some of these guys that we haven't gotten to see a whole lot, you know. Kevon Wallace, if he's a, if he's playing, um, Zach McPherson, uh, you know, some of these younger guys, we haven't really gotten a chance to see much. Mac of McCain, Kerry Vincent, Mac, Tay McGowan, if he can finally Tay crack McGow- the, uh, Tay Gowan, yeah. the, or Tay Gowan, yeah, if he can crack the roster, the uh, active roster for that day, it would just be Tyree Jackson. Like I've seen in watching back some of the film, I've seen a lot I've liked from Tyree Jackson. And then I've seen moments that it's like, okay, yeah, he is a quarterback turned tight end. You can tell he needs some work. So I'd like to see him get more attention and a better look, you know, Kenny Gainwell can't let him carry the ball. See, 
So when I looked, watched back at a couple games with Kenneth Gainwell, I see why he's not getting the opportunity to play. He's well, not a good. He's, he's he's not a good protector. He's a terrible in pass pass protection. He he's only a pass catcher. Like he's an upright runner. He doesn't lower his pads. He doesn't really run low. Like he doesn't get much after contact. He just gets t- like I've watched a couple games specifically watching the the coaches film on like Gainwell just to see Gainwell and Tyree Jackson specifically, and I'm like man. I don't know what it is that they can't get Gainwell going, but they need to use him more in the passing game. And that. and that's it. That's all he is. I don't think that he's going to crack it as, as Put his ass a in the running back. Call it a day. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. As well. Him, J- Jalen Reger. I think Jalen Reger should be out on that field. He should just like the oh, Dallas throw- Cowboys need to figure out what's going on with their offense. Jalen Reger's got to get his ass out there and keep working his ass off. The play because at the end of the, the day, it I doesn't hate- hurt me if he's not there in the wild card and game. The, no yeah, offense. And the play I hate the most: throw screens to him all day. I don't care. I hate that play. But throw. I want to see him in the open field. I need to see if he has some type of burst. I need to see. I don't think he does, but I need to see him out there, like put the ball in his hands. And let them do something with it. If it has to be in a screen, which I freaking hate, the Eagles run screens a thousand times a game and go for <laughs> negative ten yards. I don't care what. Just get the ball in his hands, and I want to see what he can do. Same There's with be same no with, boat. Same, same with Greg yes. Ward for me. Sorry for cutting in, yes. but like he's not under contract next year. I think he's an RFA or an ERFA, so he's likely back. coming back. He's likely coming back. I know because we have no one to really man the slot. I mean, you have Tyree Just Jackson. Just let him be a red zone receiver. That's it. Well, it seems Yo, to be all the white side. Crazy. He's, he's got like the white side was supposed to be. He's got five or six receptions and four touchdowns or something. It's ridiculous. Like, the guy only gets touchdowns. But, like, I'd like to see what more. I just don't think we give him the ball enough. Like, I think if you give him the ball more, I think there's some opportunity there. Um, but, and J.J. Arthega-White said, we don't care about him. He is a he is a blocker. He is a special teamer. We have accepted that reality with him. So, I don't care to see any more of him on the offensive Which side of the Which special teamer would you rather have, Matt Collins or J.J.? <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, J-Jaw for sure. Matt Collins is, J-Jaw at least has the size, like when he's blocking, like you can see he's putting the effort in, like he kind of looks like a, 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 a tight end that needs to bulk up a bit. That's what J-Jaw looks like. Jordan Matthews? Blocking. <laughs> I was going to say that too. Jordan Matthews? <laughs> or uh, De- was it Devin Funches? Didn't he try to become a? Oh, yes. Devin Funches. Oh man. Um, oh boy. So the one thing I, one thing I do want to see from the def- defensive side of the football um, like I, I want to see Jacoby Steve like play young guys. Jacoby Stevens, Patrick Johnson, Teron Jackson, Milton Williams. Um, you mentioned we mentioned this, the the corners, you know, Tay Gowan and Kerry Vincent and um, uh, Mac McCain. Like let's see these Kavon Wallace. Let's see these young guys. Let's see, Marlin to whatever the hell his name is. Um, the, the defensive we Paluto or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I definitely would love to see some of those defensive players. So I, here I was naming like some of the bigger names, but yeah, like uh, like you said, Patrick Johnson's one of the guys. Taron Jackson, like some of those guys, I'd really like to see what they're gonna bring to the team and and see where they can be used most effectively going forward. So definitely agree on that point. I would love to see some of those defense but they're gonna get eaten alive dallas needs to figure out what's going on with their offense and they're probably gonna feast on a third and fourth string defensive players but i actually think dallas is only gonna play like a half like without tyron smith um without 
Mike apart. Like they'll they'll play their starters probably for a half, and then they'll go to Cooper Rush in the second half, and we'll see Pollard. Um, they're they're gonna have to figure out what to do with the third receiver because Gallup's out. So they're gonna want to see, um, you know, said said Wilson, Cedric Wilson, Cedric seems Wilson, the and all these guys. So I I do I, I wouldn't shock me if they they play the half and then so that they can be healthy going in to the to the um to their their playoff game against presumably Arizona. Um, so so we'll we'll see what happens. Um, quickly, I mean, even though it doesn't matter, a score prediction for the game, like. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, yeah, go I, I, I honestly think that Dallas is, is going to win this one. I, I know I've been going Philly the last like five or six straight weeks and with pretty good success. But <laughs> in this game, I just think that even a half out of their starters is going to be enough of a gap in you would assume if they figure the offense out you, that it's going to be enough of a gap that we're not going to be able to overcome it with the likes of. You know, Gardner Minshew, Kenny Gainwell, Greg Ward, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and Jalen Reger in, in the second half. Um, so I'm going Dallas Cowboys over the Philadelphia Eagles. Why they moved us to this time slot, I continue to wonder. It's a useless game, pointless game. but um, Because it's Philly and Dallas and they know they'll get ratings. Yeah, that you're right. You're right on that point. But um, I'm going to give Dallas a win. I'm going to go 30 to uh, – I'm going to go 30 to 20. Shane, uh, I think it's going to be Philly. I think Philly is going to win. Uh, I'm going to say 20 to 16. Last week's score. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm going to go 29 to 22 Eagles. Why the hell not? Let's let's beat Dallas, and then Dallas can. End the season on end the regular season on a two game losing streak and then lose their first playoff game, which is rule of law in the land. Um, because Dallas is forever irrelevant for the last what like 30 years now, like they haven't won, they whatever. All these, uh, I don't, don't get me started with all these Philly born, <laughs> Cal- whatever. All right, <laughs> Shane, we really, really appreciate you uh, coming on to this week's episode of the Kelly Green Hour. Tell our listeners where they can find you and. Promote some of your the work that you've been doing. Sure, um, you know obviously you know the, the three of us had started our former uh, our former network that has since uh, kind of gone away. Um, but you guys can get me. It's my personal Twitter is at Shane underscore Mead. Um, I work on two main podcasts now. Uh, I have one that I'm I'm really proud of. It's actually non sports related, um, which is a a rarity for those of you who remember my voice uh, from the last three, four years. Um, but it's called the gentleman podcast. Uh, the Twitter, which is seldom used, uh, but it does release the shows is at gentleman underscore pod. Uh, it's about life. Uh, really anything. If you want to learn some job interviewing tips, if you want to hear about bad dates, good dates, uh, food, anything. Um, it's uh, it's just a way to be a better human and just the observations of me and my co-host Josh. Uh, and then the other is Flyers side chat over at the Brotherly Pod Network. It is uh, a Philadelphia Flyers network uh, run by Daniel Esch, uh, Dan the Flyer, a fan. So great team uh, over there uh, across the board. Great podcast over there across the board. It's at Brotherly Pod. Awesome. Thank you, Shane. And uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're, we're glad to get you on. And when as the offseason comes and we get close to like, Pre, uh, get draft time and um, free agency 
and whatnot, we'll definitely get you on again and, and you know, spread that, spread this knowledge that, that we have. Um, you know, because if it wasn't for, literally though, if it wasn't for you, Shane, me and Connor wouldn't be doing this because we, we would have never met. So like, I appreciate it, it, man. You guys are you guys are <laughs> great, and what you've done with the Kelly Green Hour and and what you've grown it into, and uh, you know, and all the great work that each of you guys do individually is is really special. So I'm really glad to see what you guys have have been able to do, and that you're still doing it here at uh, over for for Philadelphia Eagles football. Yes, sir. And Connor, let's give us sh- one more time. Give a shout out to the Fight Philly Net- Fight Network. Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure you check them out. Lots of written content, lots of big stuff coming this off season podcasts and written. Um, it's the fight Philly fight network at FPF network on Twitter, fight Philly fight network.com. And of course, don't forget about our wonderful sponsors over at bet us. You can go to BetUS.com. Tell them the Kelly green hour sent you by signing up and using the promo code at sign up FPF network. And, uh, you'll get a 125% sign in bonus. Yes, sir. And hopefully we can work it in for the uh, before the playoff game. We'll see. We gotta if he's listening to us, we're springing it on. We try to get Tom, the owner of Fight Philly Fight Network, to come on uh, to to the pod and and you know get his input on the Eagles season and uh, going into the playoffs. Um, but as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Connor does a great job, especially game day. I don't know how much we sh- should or will you know really be into this week's game, but does a great great job on game day um keeping the twitter updated with, with big plays throughout the game you can follow connor on twitter at connor 10 you can follow me on twitter at lj Harrell 54 and as shane said follow him on twitter at shane underscore me to come up no knees me right shane <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i didn't know how twitter worked when it first came out i enjoyed the, the handle in the name i liked it <laughs> did you mean to make your did you mean to make it at no knees need that's right. And then, <laughs> look, that's, that's what thirty-two-year-old men do. We screw up when we're twenty-one years old, and Twitter comes onto the universe. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, as always, wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the show. Uh, subscribe, rate and review, um, and you can, you know, leave us uh, some message or you know, slide into the DMs on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour um, if there's anything you want us to discuss. Anything you want, want uh, um, us, any questions you have, we'll definitely, um, you know, talk about it here on the pod. For Shane, for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.